Thanks, Callan. Appreciate it. And uh, certainly happy to have everyone on board with us today as we go through our, our webinar on the future of Oracle EPM and uh, the choice that likely you all are facing about you know, what we're going to do with uh, the move to 11.2 or exploring the, the cloud options that are out there and understanding everything that's involved in that journey and, and kind of what we're seeing across our clients, uh, the steps that they're taking to prepare for that decision and, and what we're seeing out there. So glad we can have everybody attending. Like Colin said, hope everyone's healthy and safe uh, and enjoying this uh, somewhere comfy and cozy in the, the space of your home or you know an empty office similar to what Dave and I are doing here at SCNH Group today. So something, something a little fun to start the day, but the goal really is to help make the decision. Uh, and just to relate this a little bit, uh, you know, in 2010, uh, LeBron James was faced with making a very important decision in his life. Uh, he was part of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and ESPN thought it was so important to decide, you know, to, to televise where he was going to move in his career, whether he's going to stay with the Cleveland Cavaliers or join another organization within the NBA and really shake things up. And while, you know, here in the Oracle EPM space, we may not get a, a special from ESPN that's created so, you know, to highlight what every decision we get to make, whether or not we're staying on-prem or moving to the cloud, um, you know, it's certainly an important decision. It's something that takes a lot of uh, a lot of thought and weighing on before you, you kind of make that that final uh, that final move. So today we're here to help, and we'll see if we can play this out as uh, successful as LeBron has. So with that, we'll jump right into it. So why are we having this webinar? Why is this important? What's you know what's kind of driving this move to determine uh, what step needs to be taken here versus just applying some patches to our on-prem environments for the next few years. Uh, and what does it really mean to everybody? So some key dates to kind of keep in mind and what's really driving this is just, it's really around support and what Oracle's doing on the, the on-prem support for the 11.1.2.4 version, which is the most current uh, Hyperion version out there. And then also some of the uh, supporting third-party products that uh, run the servers and the databases and, and uh, everything else that kind of go along with it and just understanding that we're kind of getting to a life cycle here where Oracle is going to be providing premier support for 11.1.2.4 that'll end in the December, December 31st of 2021. And what that really means is there's going to be no more defect fixing uh, for items that come up, especially when it relates to as everyone out there starts to upgrade browsers, upgrade Java, things like that, that everyone in the organization needs to run their machine. Some of the elements that Hyperion uh, you know, uses, such as SmartView and the, the browsers that interact with Workspace, uh, are going to start lagging behind, and there's not going to be support out there you know, as that continues to progress for organizations. So you could run into some issues there uh, with, with current versioning that may cause some issues for your users. And ultimately, Oracle you know, will support the software that's out there and how it functions. But as those uh, different components upgrade and move on, it's gonna kind of you know, sit there in a lag period and not gonna be a whole lot of support from Oracle there. Same thing said with uh, the Microsoft or you know, the um, supporting server-side operating systems and then SQL, Microsoft SQL Server. Those support will be ending soon in the coming years. Uh, so a lot of organizations are already looking to make the move to uh, Windows Server 2016 or even uh, newer versions of that, as well as the supporting relational database components. So, a lot of back-end things that are kind of changing and just uh, you know, making sure that we're staying compliant with, uh, with all the different comp uh, components out there is something we want to stay ahead of. So with that being said, with the, option, with the support ending, what are the options that you kind of have to make your decision? 
Now for some clients, uh, and we do see this now, even with the legacy 11.1.2.3 versions, so if you're not running 11.1.2.4, there's certainly clients out there that are still running some older legacy versions of Hyperion, and they do operate without having the Premier support from Oracle. It's something that is, is certainly an option. It's, it's not recommended, uh, and there's a number of kind of you know downfalls for, for operating in that capacity, such as even applying patches, if something goes wrong, or if there's something you need to patch in your environment, such as like the web logic security vulnerabilities that we've seen lately, uh, there's risk that something could go wrong and you're not gonna receive the, the type of support that you would on a supported version of Oracle. Uh, you can continue to run it, the software will function, but you will not be able to you know, apply some of the other patches that you would need as far as the operating system to support the, the browser. New browsers such as Chrome and Firefox as they progress, you're going to still continue to see, stay in a lag period where you're going to have to support older versions of those components for your client or user base uh, for them to utilize that version of Hyperion. So it's certainly an option, uh, not one that we're seeing adopted a whole lot. Uh, people are, are kind of in this, this spot here where they're, we're looking at the second two here. And that is Oracle Hyperion 11.2, which is the new version of the on-prem Hyperion suite. Uh, for folks looking to, to kind of move in that space, uh, they're going to be looking to purchase new hardware. And we'll get into some of the specifications here around what that really means. But you'd be looking to do a, a lift and shift of your current environments and moving that onto new physical servers, new physical hardware. Um, and then going through a typical migration process that you probably have in the past to move from different Hyperion version to the other, where you'll have to do some reconciliation, but it's, it's primarily a lift and shift type exercise of on-prem environments to new hardware with new Microsoft Windows or, or Oracle operating systems uh, and third-party products uh, to stay in line with that. And then the, the other option out there, which is, you know, we'll get into the, the trends and what we're seeing kind of in the industry right now is just the move to the Oracle Cloud EPM and just cloud software in general, uh, moving to a SaaS solution. Um, the Hyperion planning migrations that we've seen out there have been uh, completely pretty seamless. Uh, a lot of easy transitions there for clients running Hyperion planning on-prem, moving to the cloud products, have a lot of success with that. And then now we're seeing with the parity of Oracle FCCS, which we'll get into, which is the closed consolidation product, uh, just complete parity with the, the Hyperion financial management product that we know and love on the accounting and closed side. Uh, that's really come along in the last couple of years and we're seeing great success with that as well. Um, but there is certainly considerations there around just that process and adapting to new cloud technologies that some organizations, it's a, you know, a little bit slower process, but it's, it's certainly one that um, you know, we're seeing a, a huge uptick in the industry, um, as we mentioned. So with that, what we're gonna do is, is first jump into option two there and just go through the Oracle Hyperion 11.2 and really the key considerations and the information out there about what you wanna consider if you're going to uh, consider that as one of your options here in the, the next couple of years. So with that, I'm gonna turn that over to Dave and have him cover that. And if there's any questions that come up as Dave's going through these materials, please feel free to post them to the Q&A in the webinar and we'll do our best to answer them at the end of the presentation. Great, thanks Nick. Um, and as, as Nick just mentioned, there, there is going to be a lot of technical kind of specs in here. So if, if you do have questions, please put them in the chat and, uh, you know, we'll try to hit as many as we can uh, later on. All right. So for the good, the good fun stuff, the, uh, the classic on-prem, you know, none of that cloud stuff. So for 11.2, there's a number of different changes. Um, 
11.2 is, is going to be the new and from what Oracle is saying, the final version of on-prem uh, Hyperion. It's replacing the 11.1.2.4 release. Um, it's designed to be a more lightweight version of Hyperion, and I'm going to touch on a little bit what that means a little bit later on. Um, for support, instead of the premier support, it has been moved and added to the application unlimited support that is going to go through 2030. Oracle has mentioned that there is possibilities that as the years shift and we go into 2021, it can shift into 2031 and that support will continue. But um, at this time, they are advising that the end date for support will be 2030 for 11.2. Uh, upgrades are, are now going to be delivered through patches. So there won't be a you know 11.2.1 and then 11.2.2. Um, to get new functionality, all of the new functionality is going to be released similar to how cloud products work uh, through a patch. Um, a big one here, uh, EPMA will no longer be supported. Um, as I said, it's you know a, a lighter weight version. And one of the products that has been uh, slowly going out the door is EPMA. Um, and to help out with your data management and, and relationship management there, where they're moving over to a DRM, a lightweight version. Um, and basically what that means is that it's just a limited user, uh, limited license. Uh, some, of the, some of the specs, the 11.2 release is modeled after the .4 product series. So everything that you know and love about .4 should be very similar from the way workspace looks and, and feels. Um, Fusion middleware has been upgraded to the 12G release. Um, S-Base will be the exact same version in .2 that was in .4, so it shouldn't be anything different there. They have mentioned a potential uplift to S-Base 19C, but that hasn't been confirmed. Um, the RNA framework has also been replaced with a simpler version of RDBMS repository, so what that means is you might lose some functionality um, with migrating over your S-Base financial reports. Uh, Java has finally been moved up to .8, so that's that's really good. And Calc Manager is no longer requiring Flash to run. Okay, this is a, a pretty big one. Um, supported platforms. The only current supported platform for 11.2 right now is going to be Windows Server 2019 and Windows 10 as the OS. So Linux and Solaris and um, the other Windows servers are not going to be supported at this time, but they are looking to roadmap them in the future. And then for your supported uh, relational databases, uh, there's your three Oracle and then uh, Microsoft SQL Server 2016. Okay, this is another super, super important uh, slide that really wanna focus on here is the supported migration path for the EPM uh, stack, the build, is 11.1.2.4, that's it. That includes the 700 and the 900 patches but this is the only supported migration path. So if you're on 11.1.2.3, for example, it will require you to do a double migration. So you're gonna to need to move over to the .4 build and then migrate again up to 11.2. So you cannot go from anything other than 11.1.2.4 to .2. Um, and then just specifically closed management and FDME need to be on these specific patch levels for closed management uh, 253 and FDME is 220. So just some new features uh, for HFM. Um, they've added a few things, uh, automated consolidations, a native meta metadata editor, uh, purging of source tables after uh, imports and 
a big one. They didn't mention what specifically, but um, we had heard some performance improvements coming through. Uh, I know Nick and I had, had some actual technical SRs open for some other clients with HFM, and it seems that what we'd kind of heard trickling through was that it's going to resolve um, some performance issues. So that should be a good one. Like I said, they didn't say specifically what, but um, they did mention there's supposed to be some some nice enhancements for performance. Hyperion planning, they're adding smart push and extended attribute support and also valid intersections. And then, as I said before, EPMA going away. So now we've got DRM, um, batch scripts, enhanced data relationship governments, um, and then mass approvals and then SFTP connections. And for the EPM infrastructure, uh, additional third-party certifications such as Edge and Chrome support uh, for browser. I know that's a, a big one. A lot of people want to be able to use Chrome, so that's coming. Okay, so like I said before, uh, rest in peace, EMA, EPMA, it's going away. Um, it will no longer be available as a foundational component for 11.2 and to beyond. Um, the existing deployments will be offering uh, the restricted use license of DRM. So you don't have to necessarily uh, use DRM. You can convert your EPMA apps back to classic. Um, but if you wish to use DRM, Oracle is providing a migration kit that will basically help you uh, convert your, your files from EPMA format to DRM format. Um, and the restric restricted use license basically just means that it's for Hyperion on-prem apps only. You can use DRM for other stuff but not with this restricted use license. And you can only have a max users of uh, five. Um, and then of course the DRM full license is, is available for purchase. Some of the removed functionality, this is uh, again, another pretty important slide. Um, if, you, if your organization is using these products, they are going away. Um, Hyperion Financial Management is the financial management analytics, S-based analytics link for Hyperion Financial Management, uh, quantitative management reporting for solvency, and then for the Hyperion BI is uh, inter interactive reporting, production reporting, and web analysis. And then for Hyperion planning, you're going to see a lot here, and the main reason um, some of these are in here, uh, for example, workforce planning, capital expense planning, and project financial planning. These are the modules that are a part of EPMA. So when you create the module and it spins up inside Hyperion planning, those are the modules. You can still create a workforce planning application, but you can no longer use the spin up out of the box modules out of EPMA. Uh, some of the other stuff, strategic finance, crystal ball, the simplified user interface, and then offline planning. And then additionally, as I said, um, EPM architect is going away, disclosure management, and EPM mobile. Uh, just some, some quick known issues. They may have um, resolved these, but as the last slides that I've seen from Oracle, um, these were still floating out there, is the installation must be done on Windows Server 2019. Again, no other supported OSs. And then SBase FR reports must be created from scratch uh, in the 11.2 uh, environment. And that's it. So I'm going to kick it back over to Nick to talk about the cloud portion of uh, the, the future of EPM. Perfect, thanks Dave. And a couple of things to kind of note just coming out of a day's section there as he was talking about 11.2. 11, 11, 
is you can see that the, the Oracle is definitely moving to a path with that version of the on-prem software where there's, it's starting to receive some of the trickle-down functionality that we've seen in play with the, the Oracle EPVCS, especially product suite, uh, really from like the last several years, you're seeing the, the valid intersections, um, the smart push capabilities, a lot of that, we're starting to see that funnel into the, the on-prem version, which is, which is great. Uh, it does, does seem like there will still be a lag period between the timeframe of when those sort of updates and those functionalities get released in the, the cloud platforms, but it's good to see that they are getting funneled down for usage uh, on-prem as well. Um, just touching on the other piece too, Dave mentioned that uh, as you go through the the patch releases now, instead of having those those large migration projects that have to move from one environment to another as they release those those code bases, uh, we'll now be able to do it through patch releases, much like the cloud platforms receive a patch and it gives incremental updates to it, but it remains on a pretty much global code base, which is great because it keeps customers in line. It uh, does make you know troubleshooting any sort of patches or bugs that may come up um, in testing that much easier to resolve. So I do like the fact that they're funneling that stuff that way through the on-prem versions, which is which is good to see. All right, so Dave, thanks for uh, hitting all that stuff with 11.2. So now we'll kind of jump into the cloud. Uh, a lot of this may be familiar to folks that are running a, a hybrid type deployment. Uh, we see that as being a common option nowadays where, you know, as clients are looking to add to their Oracle EPM stack over the last few years, uh, may have wanted to, to do so, but instead of expanding license count on-prem, they've decided to spin up uh, components. Maybe it's a workforce planning app or something that's a little bit more tailored to a particular business unit and decide to dip their toes into the, on, uh, on, into the EPM cloud world that way. So some of this may be familiar to, to folks that, on this webinar and some of it might be completely brand new so we'll we'll kind of hit it from the from ground zero and just see what we're tell you what we're seeing on the oracle epm cloud side and you know kind of why folks are choosing it and, and to move in that direction versus staying on-prem and then like i said we can come back to some q a at the end for anything that we do not cover so why oracle epm cloud uh, if you go and look at any of the kind of leading um research industries out there or companies out there like gartner You'll see that Oracle does land in the, the upper upper quadrants for those, just uh, really now for the financial close and planning suites that are out there. Just, you know, the robust kind of all-encompassed solution that hits everything on the accounting FP&A uh, and really starting to branch out more into other business segments as well as in, in these connected planning um, and EPM cloud environments that we'll show you in a second. Ton of our customers out there and a lot of them are making the move to the cloud product. Uh, we'll kind of touch on that as well, just the range of clients that we're seeing, just um, the size of it. And then another um, pretty powerful deployment or option that ha they have out there now that we've seen for a ton of our aerospace and defense uh, and government clients is just that it, their stack is now fully compliant with GSA's FedRAMP standards. So it, it's a pretty important milestone just from a security aspect and just understanding that the platforms are, are secure and being used by you know, some of the biggest organizations in that space uh, as we speak. Okay, so kind of hit just the, the breadth of what the Oracle EPM cloud is, and we'll get into this, is, you know, the movement from Oracle has been, you know, in the past, and just kind of how I've always thought of it, is, you know, the products were, were very separate and disparate. You know, you had HFM out there, you had the people that knew HFM, uh, knew how to write rules and, and kind of go through everything on the consolidation side, and then you had 
really the, the planning and S-based side, which is a little bit different skill set with the calculations of how that's written and really more so the, the planning and budgeting and forecasting processes that need to align with those tools. And there's always been some synergies using FDM to, to load data back and forth between the products and, and trying to, to get them to work in sync. But what Oracle really has done with the EPM Cloud is really try to attack all those problems with, with one comprehensive solution. And even outside of the, the typical closed consolidation with HFM and, and planning and forecasting with, with Hyperion planning, they're bringing more and more of these um, you know, components that competing, competing software vendors are out there that may only do one of these things, such as account reconciliations, and baking that into the product to work hand in hand with the, the closed solution. So it just limits the, the number of entry points that users in your organization need to go uh, to use a product, really limit the, the administration skills on the back end side of how many administrators need to actually support your, your in-house applications for your users, and then also just deliver a better end product for your business stakeholders because it is kind of all encompassed in one solution. So there's been a, a big push to, to get this all into a, a connected process. Uh, we're seeing a lot of our clients really extend the capabilities outside of just doing the, the typical closed consolidation Hyperion planning elements and looking to bring these other components into the Oracle EPM cloud just for those, those synergies. Uh, when you, there's, there's a couple of different versions of the, the EPM cloud out there, which we could spend a lot of time on um, talking about those. There's a lot of information out there, but what most of our clients likely would be using going from a 11.2 deployment to the Oracle EPM cloud is looking at the enterprise version. And that does include uh, the different business processes that we talked about here as far as planning, closed consolidations, account recs. Um, and really, if you want to include the, the workforce planning applications, capital planning applications that you may have, getting that into the one solution, that's likely the version you're going to be looking at. They do have a standard version of the EPM cloud out there. Uh, if you are a smaller, smaller customer with a, a smaller footprint, maybe with one planning cube or one S-based cube that you need to migrate, the standard version may fit your needs. Or if you have one process that you need to move, that's something you can certainly talk to us or, or Oracle about and we'll help you point, point you in the right direction. Now, some of the advantages that we're really seeing with the cloud and, and why you know, we find customers really liking it and you know, really from a, an implementation side, why it makes our job a lot easier and, and quicker uh, is just some of the, the benefits that you get by moving to to one of these platforms. Um, one of the differentiators that has been pretty powerful for Oracle is just that they are true, a true SaaS platform and everything in their, on the EPM cloud runs within their own technology stack, which is, is great. Um, it leads to a, a number of benefits. One, one is performance, just the fact that Oracle has tuned everything on the EPM cloud to, to run optimally for the, the product that they're giving you. So everything on the back end, when it goes, you know, using a relational database to pull your web forms up for an end user and making sure that process is running seamlessly, everything is kind of tuned on the back end to make sure that, that that's running optimally based on uh, the product being provided. So you're not really relying on a, a third-party database or third-party database administrator to make sure that component's working right for your EPM deployment. It's all kind of set it and forget it, and it's already been tuned based upon you know, experience with thousands of other customers out there. The other huge advantages are really no VPN required. So it is a, 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 a literally a URL. As you sign up and move to the EPM cloud, you're given a, an instance of the product. Uh, it uses single sign-on um, through you know, SSO, and it can link up with your, your company's active directory. So there's really no worries there with any sort of credentialing. You can use the same credentials that you log into 
your work laptop with. However, you can do so just by accessing that URL and using a secure login uh, to do it. So if you have people around the world, we've seen a ton, ton of instances where, uh, you know, customers have chosen to spin up Oracle EPM Cloud instances in, in various data centers. So Oracle has them around the world. So if you're looking to improve user experience for folks in you know, China or APAC, for example, uh, you could certainly point, choose an option where you're spinning up a, a cloud that's closer to them geographically uh, to improve performance and, and kind of work within their, um, their limitations. So that's been awesome. And then the other big benefit is just the, the cloud products that we mentioned with 11.2, all updates will come via patches, which will still need to be manually applied, uh, either by an administrator or a consulting firm uh, like us. But with the cloud version, those patches roll in automatically. And we get a lot of questions about this. You know, organizations are a little hesitant just because of the patching process in the past with Oracle products and just needing to test them, making sure that you know, nothing happens with our data and that we have to do reconciliations to make sure everything is regression tested and working properly. Uh, the patches that Oracle rolls out, they come out once per month. Uh, they're very incremental and they're, they're tested across a, a ton of situations with a ton of different customers before they're rolled out. So you kind of know that you're getting a fully flushed out patch uh, that's production ready when you receive it. You do get them in a test environment first, and you have a few weeks to, to do any sort of proprietary or uh, testing related to your organization. And there are regression testing scripts that you can set up that actually runs through your business processes and, and test things out, so that way you don't have to manually do that every month. And then uh, it gets rolled into your production environment uh, towards the end of the month. So there is certainly a, a good bit of grace period there for the, those patches to come into your environment for you to get a chance to test them. But like I said, they're incremental, uh, not a whole lot of, of updates going on there except minor bug fixes and uh, enhancements that you can choose to essentially turn on if you wanna use them for your organization. If not, they kinda just sit out there uh, and they wouldn't impact anything that you're doing. So we've seen it been pretty effective um, and not having to go through those, those processes on a uh, really like on a quarterly basis to catch our, our customers up on their patch sets to make sure that they're running the latest versions and, and not running into any issues. And that also comes with no major migrations anymore as well, which we mentioned. One of the other features I have here at the bottom, so there's actually, um, this is pretty powerful in two senses, the automated application backups. So it's absolutely amazing for trying to sync up your dev environments. So in the past, that's one of our, our most dreaded exercises and we, when we walk to, into a customer and we have to take their current production environment and they, we've learned that they haven't synced up their QA and their dev in some period of time and uh, stuff's out of sync, so we have to get the metadata correct, you have to load the data in, you have to do some reconciliation. It can be a timely process. Uh, with the Oracle EPM Cloud, it literally takes snapshots of itself every single night. You can do it on demand or set it up for with the frequency that's, that's different if you would like to do so. But that all-encompassing snapshot can be moved to your dev environment and literally restored from there, and it brings data. It, every single piece of the, the application would be restored into that environment creates a mirror copy, which is super powerful. Um, and why that's also powerful is because it allows Oracle, in case you do have something you're troubleshooting, you can hand off that snapshot to Oracle, and now they're working with your live application on the version of software that you're using, the same patch set that everyone else is running, and it makes troubleshooting that much faster. So I know in the past for anyone that has dealt on with the infrastructure side of Hyperion, you're probably used to going in and running the uh, the old zip logs command and trying to pull every single log file under the sun to give the to give the Oracle to troubleshoot an issue. 
that's gone. So it, it's it's pretty powerful how you can create an SR, upload your snapshot, and um, you're literally they have everything they need to to troubleshoot an issue. So I'll quickly run through just for anyone who hasn't seen what's included with the the Oracle Cloud, uh, and just kind of go through the various components. So um, the so connected planning is essentially your Hyperion planning applications plus more. Uh, a lot of new features in here, uh, whether or not you're doing zero-based budgeting, driver-based planning, a lot of out-of-the-box functionality. Uh, sandboxing is certainly one of them that we've seen powerful. So the ability to do a lot what-if analysis on the fly and kind of spin data sets up from uh, one version to another, another uh, has been made easier than having to do the old business rule method of having to create the, the data copies to do that. So a lot of powerful capabilities there. Um, and then just a lot of a lot of pre-baked functionality that's making those planning processes, such as long-range planning, much easier. Uh, the financial close suite, a ton of new enhancements have come here. Um, one of the big ones is the narrative reporting aspect. So we're all familiar with Financial Reporting Studio and uh, getting that up and running and having our our FR reports, uh, you know, running properly. The Oracle EPM Cloud is really taking advantage of this new new tool called narrative reporting which allows you to do so much more with your FR reports. It allows for, for collaboration. Uh, you can actually build up a, a 10Q or a 10K workbook where you have different users working on different reporting aspects. And even if you want to bring in other data sources outside of just the Oracle EPM umbrella, even if it's sitting in an Excel file, you can kind of create those linkages and be working on an entire, entire reporting stack uh, with various data sources. So super powerful stuff. Better dashboarding. Um, and report bursting capabilities is certainly there. And then one of the, the main drives, you know, that we've seen from Oracle and, and the continue, continued push to leverage machine learning, AI, and predictive capabilities has been really on the forefront of uh, the Oracle cloud. We've participated in a number of, of partner collaborations with Oracle to, to fine tune these models and to work on getting a lot of these predictive features working in a, in a state where our customers are going to be able to adopt them and start applying the models and seeing how, how they're doing compared to what the machines can predict. So a lot of stuff coming in here, especially with the natural language processing as well, where you can literally go in and, and ask uh, the Oracle EPM Cloud a question if you want to know what a KPI is running or how it's performing. Um, a lot of that functionality would be in there to return those results for the uh, reporting aspect. And the last component that kind of brings it all together, so Dave mentioned uh, DRM, uh, Data Relationship Management, which is the on-premise version of, of the data governance piece, which kind of keeps all your applications in sync, even outside of the, the Oracle EPM stack. The Enterprise Data Management uh, Tools, or, or EDM, is the, the cloud equivalent, and really there to, to kind of bring everything here together, uh, as well as connecting things such as your ERP and managing metadata and governance across other components of your organization as well. Okay, so we've kind of talked about the two different options, 11.2 and the Oracle EPM Cloud and, and kind of what they both bring. Uh, so we're going to just talk a little bit around recommended next steps and, and how we're seeing our clients and customers map out their journey. There's definitely can be a difficult decision, uh, and especially now kind of with everything uh, with coronavirus going on, you know, budgets, budgets are, are tighter than ever. People are, are hesitant to, to make these decisions and kind of, you know, know what the best path forward is. So, you know, how do you how do you actually go about making sure that you're you're choosing something that's effective for your organization, your your business strategy when it comes to moving to the cloud, and really still continuing to support your user base so that way there's no drop off in functionality. 
So that's something that we're just seeing a lot of our customers coming back to us and asking um, as to you know what kind of goes into to making that making that decision. Uh, and, and some of the most important things that we see is is just you know are you looking to make a, a short-term decision? And, you know if so, then maybe 11-2 is something that you're leaning towards if you're trying to do it in the near term. However, uh, just knowing to take the time to kind of map out what it would be to to move to the EPM cloud and, and mapping out the the various uh, products that you all have and how it would translate over to the the cloud platforms is is super important and really needs to be done on a case by case basis. Uh, and that's just what we're seeing. It's just that every organization is different, and the need of that organization can be can be vastly different depending upon what products they're running, how many users you have, how they interact with the tool. Um, it just really is a case by case basis. So I would just say, try and treat yourself that way, and just take a, a good look at your organization and who you need to support uh, before you would make the decision uh, holistically for the for the company. And kind of what we're seeing just with some industry trends. So everyone is, is always interested in kind of what, what their competitors or what or, or other organiz, organizations are doing. Um, and just so we thought we'd kind of boil that up just to kind of, kind of show everyone what we're seeing out there. Uh, I think it's important to note that 100% of our net new implementations over the last two years have been Oracle Cloud EPM. So just to kind of throw that out there, I mean, no one's kind of spinning up 11.2 or even 11.24 from scratch and looking at that as a as a, a movement forward for the organization. You know, we're, you're seeing a lot of IT strategies moving towards uh, cloud and SaaS-based solutions uh, just due to the the lower footprint of uh, server architecture they have, the backend folks they need to support those platforms, and also kind of moving those solutions into the part of the organization that's going to own them. Uh, has been has been critical and has just provided better user experience and, and business experience for the people that have to to run these applications. So it has just, like I said, it's been 100% of our net new implementations have gone on the Oracle Cloud. We do have customers that range from uh, 400 million in annual revenue. Uh, we actually have one that's a little bit smaller than that, up to 16 billion that are running on the Oracle EPM Cloud. So it. It doesn't matter whether or not you're, you know, you're just kind of starting your journey and you are a smaller organization or more mature. Uh, everyone is kind of, you know, moving in that direction. There's some that, like I said in the earlier part of this webinar, are choosing to do it in more of a hybrid deployment mentality. So let's test the waters with one of the products first, and then we'll move that along, get it migrated, get our users familiar with uh, how to use any any sort of differences with the interface. Um, that may be there, and then bring you know your other applications along for the ride. So we've seen that very typical for people moving their Hyperion planning applications first, and then bringing along um, their close consolidation, their account recs, uh, tax reporting, things of that nature in a sub subsequent phase. So we've seen a lot of phasing of that occur with our client base. And then, like I mentioned, we are seeing very rapid adoption for Hyperion planning customers. Um, the products do fit very nicely. There's really not a whole lot of change on the back end as you migrate a lot of your artifacts from Hyperion planning over to the, the Oracle EPM cloud on the planning side. So those have been super successful. And then um, the ones that have been certainly a, a little bit more challenging have been customers with long-standing HFM applications for sure. However, with the, the Oracle closed consolidation suite really coming to a mature state now, having complete parity with the, the HFM product, uh, we're seeing a lot of the larger organizations starting to make this move and understanding kind of what it takes. 
and we could probably do a webinar, you know, completely dedicated to the differences between uh, HFM and on Oracle FCCS and kind of the the different mentality that you would take of how you would use FCCS versus HFM. But what we're seeing is there are there are clear ways to map out HFM dimensionality, what you're doing there on a customized side over to FCCS now. There's a lot of the ability to write custom rules, to put custom pieces into the consolidation process uh, that were not there two years ago. And we're seeing a lot of success with being able to, to map that out and, and move customers successfully to uh, the closed consolidation cloud. So just wanted to throw that out there. And if you do have questions on that, that's something we can certainly follow up with you uh, either at the end of this webinar or at a future period of time, just because I think that's where we do get a lot of questions um, just around what other people are doing with their HFM and FCCS applications. Some other trends that we're seeing is just, you know, there is, there's certainly a lot of competing software products out there. A lot of our customers have used this time to, to kind of to kind of evaluate and see, you know, what else is out there as if they're going to move to the cloud. So we have seen a ton of uh, uptick in just software road mapping and vendor selection products. Uh, and it's just something that uh, I think is important to, you know, just note that there there's a lot out there and, and just knowing that the Oracle EPM has been here for a long period of time and the roadmap is there to, like I said, kind of bring all these business processes together versus some of these one-off solutions uh, is, is super powerful, but it's something that, that, that does deserve a look uh, as you're moving down this path. And then what we've also seen too is just with the shift to customers who are moving to the Oracle EPM cloud, uh, if you're looking to do some enhancements to your applications as you're doing it, uh, we've seen a huge uptick in, in just not just doing the lift and shift type approach. A lot of times we see that as being the initial phase of a project is to get apples to apples there between on-prem, Hyperion, and the EPM cloud. But we're also seeing you know, a lot of folks are looking to streamline processes, make things a little bit easier, take advantage of some of the enhancements that are out there to make their user experience better. So taking that into consideration with some of the benefits that you could get by moving to the cloud is something that uh, we certainly see value in versus just trying to do a straight lift and shift migration that maybe you would have in the past. So what we've been doing to kind of help our clients and, and customers through this process is just by offering uh, migration assessments to kind of take a deep dive on what is there in the current environment and assess just, you know, essentially mapping out how your current Hyperion landscape would look in the Oracle EPM cloud. Uh, there's we can typically do it in a couple 90-minute sessions where we review it with your business stakeholders and just try and really go through a checklist to determine um, you know, the reporting and, and processes that your organization needs to essentially sustain your accounting and FP&A um, business and map that out to, to how it would look in the Oracle EPM cloud. Uh, and we talk about everything from how much historical data is needed, uh, any, any sort of changes that have occurred in the business that may lend better to one or the other and where you may be able to take advantages of uh, functionality in the EPM cloud to make your life easier. We go through that process, um, really just do a, a bunch of interviewing sessions to kind of determine the best path and then start to look at things too, just such as um, migration level of effort. So if you have a number of S-based cubes, how long that's going to take to move over to the EPM cloud or, or stay on-prem, all that stuff we kind of bring into consideration to to help you all understand what it's going to look like uh, on that journey, no matter which path you decide to take. All right, so kind of bringing it all together, so we're back to the decision. Uh, I think some of the most important aspects of this is just take the time now to plan 
your migration path before it gets to the, the end of the support life cycle um, and you're kind of in a pinch. So we have some time now before the end of, of 2021 to, to kind of do it. Um, and now's, now's the kind of time to get ahead of it. Work with Oracle and your implementation partners uh, to, to stay ahead of this game. So Oracle, I know, has been a huge help in mapping out what cost of ownership looks like in the cloud versus staying on-prem. Uh, they have a, a host of individuals that are dedicated to providing that service and mapping that out for your organization. So take advantage of that. Um, and we, we also do specialize in looking at that as well, just everything from a cost of ownership of who's supporting your servers, how many people are doing it, you know, what's the downtime, all those sorts of things need to be factored into the equation. So just leverage as much resources as you can to try and get that information uh, so you can make the most accurate decision for your organization. And then also make sure that you're blending this with your organizational strategy. So, uh, you know, it's, it's very important, you know, to take this kind of, I would say up the chain a little bit and make sure that any decision that's going to be made, even though in the short term, it may be a little bit cheaper to stay 11-2 uh, and, and go down that path, kind of take a look at it from, you know, the next five years out and, and look at what the, the spend is going to be for new hardware, new servers, and, and how quickly, you know, Windows Server 2019 might run to the end of its life cycle when you have, would have to replace that and kind of do an in-place migration. All those things need, just, need to be taken into account. Uh, and just make sure that it does blend with your organizational strategy, your IT strategy uh, for your Hyperion systems. And then the last piece to kind of consider is just, you know, we kind of have this time frame here of, of when the support will end. Take a look at your fiscal calendars, you know, your budgeting, your forecasting events, your closed calendars. We always like to align these migration and upgrade projects or, or even brand new EPM projects with those specific events for your organization to make sure there's minimal downtime there's enough time for reconciliation uh, and parallel processing to make sure that there's no drop off in um, business continuity. So it's just something to always kind of you know take into account as you're building out these these roadmaps of when you need to make a decision and when you would actually want to start an upgrade project. And to close it out, uh, back to LeBron, but he chose you know in 2010 to take his his talents to South Beach and he ended up winning winning two titles doing it with the Miami Heat. Uh, so hopefully some of the information we provide today uh, can help with some proper planning and, you know, we can all be as happy and smiling as, as LeBron there as we make our, our choice of whether or not we pick 11.2 or, or the Oracle EPM cloud. Um, so I know we threw a lot of information out here. We'll check the Q&A here coming up. And then if we have uh, additional questions that we can't get to today, we'll, we'll try and reach out to you individually if you have them. Great, thanks, Nick. Yeah, and it, it does look like we have uh, a few questions here. Um, so the, the first one was, will SBase 11.1.2.4 be supported on Windows 2019? Um, as far as I know, it is not going to be. I don't believe that there is any roadmap to move um, .4 over to Windows 2019, but you can always, I know Oracle publishes uh, support matrices uh, pretty frequently, so um, I would I would advise you to take a look at that and just to make sure that they don't have a timeline or any um, you know potential roadmap for that. Uh, another question here: What's the average timeline for the 11.2 upgrade? Um, I think that that is going to vary. As Nick said, you know it's a it's always a case by case situation. Um, if you have a heavy FR presence, if you have a heavy EPMA presence, if you have a ton of spin off ASO cubes and um, just a lot of stuff, 
you know, that is going to increase the time. But I would say for us here at SCNH, on average, the timeline is six to nine weeks. Um, another question here is, is there any difference in the performance of SmartView on 11.2 on-prem versus the cloud? Uh, for that, I would say it's going to depend solely on your server uh, architecture. So is there a, you know, how, how many resources do you have to that, that equipment on-prem? So if you have a very strong uh, architecture, then you're going to be able to handle very heavy queues uh, or queries in SmartView. Um, if you have a weaker architecture, then the cloud might perform better based off of the servers uh, that they sit on. So I think, again, it kind of depends on what your business is running. But I would say for the most part, you know, 11.2, if you're building off a similar structure, it's going to work as similar as your current environment. Um, and I, I don't really think you're going to see too much of a difference. Nick, maybe if you want to. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, certainly chime, I'll certainly chime in there. Yeah, for, for organizations that are you know, running you know, extremely robust S-based servers with extremely fast disk and have the, the networking co components to kind of back that up, um, you know, you, you could see, you know, very good performance in an 11, 11 to environment for sure. Uh, so if you're kind of running that that setup, then you, you'd probably be fine. Uh, we haven't really seen a whole lot of latency or lag issues with running to the, the Oracle EPM cloud versus running uh, on-prem. Uh, like I, I can't attribute any sort of, you know, query or performance degradation occurring from going to the Oracle EPM cloud. The one thing that I will note uh, is if you are running a ton of S-Base custom um, configuration settings, a lot of those are pre-baked by Oracle for really tuning for the masses, so that way the, the cubes do perform optimally in the cloud. There's certain areas where you can uh, adjust some of the configurations and you can create one-off requests to Oracle to, to change some of those settings for you, but for the most part, that they are set globally. So that is one thing that I would bring up as you're moving to uh, if you're choosing 11.2 versus the cloud, if you do have a very customized S-based configuration with how many rows you're returning, uh, you know, all your custom ca caches and things like that, might be something worth exploring to see uh, how that would translate over for your particular organization to the cloud. Yeah, that's a good point, Nick, with, um, especially to just to kind of tag on that with, with cache settings. And as your organization grows, if you get, you know, larger applications with more data, um, you know, you no longer will have to go in there and manually adjust your cache settings uh, and, and other statistics inside of SBase. That's something that will dynamically adjust inside the cloud for you. So it kind of removes that component and, you know, may, may prevent any, any loss of performance in the future as your, as your cubes grow. Um, is there any, uh, is WFP, I assume you mean workforce planning supported in 11.2 on-prem? So you can still do workforce planning. It's just the module itself from EPMA that is being discontinued. So that particular out-of-the-box module is is going away, but you can still do any, um, you know, custom workforce planning that you, you did before. Uh, if you move to the cloud, you have to recreate all FR ports um, or do they migrate over? So the S-Base, FR reports are not going to migrate over, and that's the, because of the way they have changed to um, away from the RNA reporting analysis framework, and they've moved over to a, a different uh, relational database uh, backend for the repository. So those those reports cannot be migrated over, and they need to be recreated. Um, 
As for planning FR reports, that's something uh, I need to check into a little bit more. Um, I haven't seen anything specifically from Oracle, I don't think, about planning reports, but I know that S-based ones cannot. Um, does restricted use DRM need to have its own app server to run, or can it use the F HFM FDME server? You can install DRM on one of your servers. So whether it's your foundation server or your HFM server, or FDM server, um, you can install the product right there on that server. You can have its own server um, if you want, but it, it doesn't need to. It looks like that's right. awesome. It looks like that's all the thanks. questions for today. Um, I mean, I want to say thanks to Nick and Dave. Uh, it's great content and great information. Hopefully, everyone that attended today uh, found something value out of it. If you have any questions, um, you know, we will definitely send out the recorded webinar tomorrow. So keep an eye out for that. We're going to send that via email. We'll also put that on our website. But if you have any follow-up questions for Nick and/or Dave, please reach out to them. Um, Nick will send you uh, the next slide here has their contact info. So we'll give everyone a second just to make sure they have that. So if they have any individual questions, please do reach out to those guys. But overall, thanks for being with us today. Um, we hope everyone's doing well and stays well and have a great Wednesday. Take care. Bye.